Video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and Raising Equity on YouTube. Welcome to Raising Equity. Hopefully you've caught up on the second season and you know that we are all about how we as adults can be in the lives of young people to help them develop an equity mindset. We have work to do as adults, but it's really important that we also hear from young folks and understand the challenges and how we can support them in their activism journey. So today I have with me a first year student at St. Louis University, Zava Naeem. She's been engaged in activism when she was in high school at Parkway Central, a high school here in St. Louis, Missouri. And she's gonna share with us her journey. Thanks for being with us. Of course, I'm excited to be here. Me too. When we first met, we were talking about serious business of classes and majors. Uh, but I was appreciative that you were that you shared with me your activism and the engagement that you had when you were in high school. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about about that. So um, at Parkway Central, we have a very diverse student body, and one of the things that comes with that is um, interactions between people that are from different groups. Sometimes those interactions aren't as informed um, as we would like, and so that's one of the things that kind of sparked my interest in social activism as well. Um, I had just previously started learning about different issues within our government, within our society. Um, And so to see like real world implications of those interactions was a little bit disheartening at times. Um, And so during my years at Parkway Central, we had um, a couple of instances that were um, racially charged or um, just maybe a little bit uninformed um, or ignorant. And so because of those instances, I was given the opportunity Um, to be on the front lines of just making sure that change was happening within our school environment, whether it be with the culture or be with the actual policies that are in place in our district. Um, And so what we talked about largely was my most recent experience um, at Parkway Central during my senior year of high school. Um, And that was, there was a video that was posted by a student. And in that uh, video, they made some very um, disrespectful and antagonizing comments about uh, African-American people. and. A lot of people were very outraged. It happened during one of our breaks. And so it like circulated very quickly. Um, And when we came back, everyone was, you know, on their toes waiting to see what would happen. um, If the administration would say something, if the district administration would take any action, um, because all we knew for a fact was that those girls were not in school. Um, Soon we found out that the reason they were suspended was not so much for the comments they made, but rather disruption of the school equilibrium. And that did not seem to be fitting, um, considering the intensity of the comments that they had made. So were these white women that were making comments? Yeah, there were um, three white girls that were in the video. Girls, Um, that's right. They were young. Yeah, we were in high school at the time. Yes, Um, And they were, I believe, sophomores or something. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of them was making most of the comments. One of them was laughing in the background. One of them was taking the video um, and uh, the others also made comments. But there was one girl in particular that... um, made those comments and she did not seem to be very apologetic about it. Um, As a result, there were some posts on her story um, later on that were kind of making light of the situation um, or maybe hinting towards the fact that she didn't understand the gravity of her remarks or that she did and just simply didn't care. Um, And so that was all just adding on to the fact that she said what she said in the first place um, and it was making people very upset. Mm -hmm. Um, Were these racial slurs or... Yeah, there yeah. was, um, I don't remember exactly the wording, mm-hmm. but one of, the gist of it was that like all N-words mm-hmm. um, should die. 
And um, there were also some other comments made as well. That was the one that was like repeated within the video. Mm -hmm. Um, And that there's nothing that can be misinterpreted about that, you know? So that was something that was very frustrating for the student body to see that like our administration was not making any comments to um, our district administration um, was not making any comments to completely condemn this and to take steps towards preventing this from happening. Um, So it happened during break. And so yeah. when you came back, everyone was waiting to see what would happen. They mm-hmm. were suspended, but nothing in the suspension said it's exactly. because the nature of these comments are unacceptable to our mm-hmm. district. And so that's yeah. what you all were looking for. Let me ask a quick question. Mm-hmm. When you came back from break or even during break, mm-hmm. were students who were like-minded and who were upset, like, were you all in communication? So um, this happened during our second semester. Um, I... I think it was after spring break, maybe it was a short weekend. So uh, people, uh, the video had had time to circulate. Um, and we had groups that I was a part of, including Colts Demand Action. And there was another group starting off Students for Progressive Change. Um, and there were most of the students in one group weren't in the other. Um, and so we started talking about it within our group chats. We're like, what is going on? Do we have any information about why she said this? Why she posted this? What's going on behind the scenes? Um, is she coming back to school? Are all of them coming back to school? Um, and... The one thing I remember was just that a lot of the students of color were unsurprised um, and a lot of the white students were very surprised. Um, And that was something that I didn't necessarily understand why it was happening when I was hearing these students, because a lot of when we came back to school, it was very similar with a lot of the white teachers were like, oh, I can't believe there's girls saying this. I can't believe people still think this. But a lot of the students of color and a lot of the teachers of color um, within what range they were able to speak to us. we're very much like, this is not surprising to us. It's simply disappointing. Mm. Um, and so because of that, a lot of the students um, that were social justicely inclined um, were kind of speaking. They were like, is it worth doing something about this? Because it's happened so many times before. And it happened at our school specifically, but it also had happened at other high schools within our district. Um, and those other high schools didn't have much support, um, specifically the students of color or even more specifically the African-American students at those schools mm-hmm. didn't have much support from other students. Um, and so we were just worried that if we did start something, it would just fizzle out really quickly. Right. Well, yeah. and you all are not alone, right? When we mm-hmm. take action against things that we feel like are wrong in the world, we often do ask ourselves, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Right. And Clearly, you all felt like it was. So yeah. I, what, we'll circle back to the action you took in mm-hmm. a moment. But I want to back up because, like you said, some people were surprised. Some people weren't. You clearly were surprised and upset, right? Mm-hmm. I was. Um, for me, it wasn't so much surprised that they said it. it was surprised that they were so overt about it. Okay. Um, because I understand that in the society we live in today, um, racism does not fail to exist. It's still everywhere. It's within the fabric of our society. Um, How did you come to know that? For me, it was partially growing up um, in like St. Louis for the majority of my life, um, except for a couple of periods. I was in St. Louis, whether it was in Kirkwood, Creefcourt, Chesterfield. Um, I was one of very few brown students or more specifically Muslim students that were brown um, or Pakistani. And so for me, I was always like one of the odd ones out and I didn't realize it at a very young age. But as I got older, I would look back and I would reflect on some comments that were made that at the time I didn't say anything wrong with. But then I would think back, I was like, oh, that was maybe not OK. Um, and then just being around students as we grew up, people become more comfortable talking about what's happened to them. And so I would sit there and I would listen to my like peers stories about what they had dealt with. 
and how they didn't know what to do in response, um, whether it was people looking at them like suspiciously if they walked into a high-end store or whether it was cops pulling them over more than others or whether specific police officers would um, let students off with warnings that maybe other students got tickets for. Um, and so it was just small things like that that just compounded. And then as I was hearing actual people's stories in my lives, I was also um, learning more from people that were on social media, specifically Instagram. I got, I heard a lot of stories on, um, and then I would also see articles and it was just everything compounding together made me realize that, um, maybe everything wasn't as perfect as we try to act in it like it is now. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's interesting that you say that because people and adults often slam mm -hmm. social media, like, oh, young mm -hmm. people and their social media. Yeah. All right. When you just highlighted what I think a lot of people use it for you learn mm -hmm. you read people's stories you read you follow people you you can learn on social media that it's mm -hmm. not just a site for bullying um although that happens uh i think that it's also important to realize that it, it can it can bring us information that we might not have as much access to exactly so i appreciate you sharing yeah. that yeah. yeah were there certain people that you learned from that you can think about oh yeah that really helped me understand I think when I was growing up people that I talked to um one of my friends who's moved now but her name was Carla she talked a lot about um being a black student in Parkway um because the, I moved around a bit before I did um I was in uh the Parkway North um track and so during that my time at elementary school, she was there. And then we lost touch a bit because of lines that changed. But then when I came back to Central, um, she was there as well. And so we had this kind of disconnect of over a couple of years. But then when I came back, we were both different people um, and we had grown a little bit. And she talked, she was one of the first people I talked to that actually talked openly to me about um, what she dealt with as a black student, more like as a black girl um, in these institutions where sometimes teachers maybe um, underestimated her and other students that were in her position and their intelligence, um, or maybe kind of blamed them if there was a disruption, not realizing that it was like the students next to them, um, because they had these preconceived notions about who would be the one disrupting class. Um, and it was, I don't, it was very disheartening because when I was younger, I was raised to believe that everyone was treated equally because that's what this country is founded on. Um, but then just hearing people, I realized that maybe, um, uh, the only reason people think like that is because they don't listen to the people that are dealing with issues um, and are mm -hmm. dealing with the disrespect that they have to on a daily basis. Um, and so that blissful ignorance that allows us to think that the country is fine and that our schools are fine and our communities are okay um, is not a luxury that students and children or people of color in general get to have. You know? When did that awareness develop in you? Um, for me, it was roughly around eighth grade. Um, and it was kind of at the same time when I got social media, um, because before that it was very much just like what was on the news and I didn't watch the news much. I was, you know, in middle school, um, and they didn't talk about this stuff in school just because the curriculum didn't dictate that they should. Um, and which isn't on the teachers, it's more on the greater powers at play that decide the, um, curriculums. Um, but I didn't learn much about it from an academic standpoint when I got social media, um, I started to find different accounts that were um, that would show up on my Discover page. And um, all these posts would be related to different um, 
topics relating to like feminism, relating to egalitarianism, relating to racism, sexism, um, xenophobia, homophobia, all these types of things. And a lot of these terms I didn't even know existed. I didn't know what intersectional like feminism was until like my freshman or sophomore year. Um, Just because it had such a negative connotation attached to it. I was like, oh, I don't want to be near that. You know, people say that feminists are bad and like they say that, you know, like people that are trying to engage in social activism or social justice were SJWs or social justice warriors. Um, and that was considered to be a bad thing. And so when I got social media, I was able to see that it was just a huge misconception. Um, and it was just very stereotyping because people don't want to listen to people that disrupt the equilibrium. Um, and so once I got social media, I was able to learn about all these types of different issues. And I realized that it was something I was passionate about because growing up, I'd always wanted to treat everyone in my life the same um or you know when people need or in a more equitable way I would say um and so to see that there was an outlet that I could have to turn this desire into an actual passion into actual change um was something revolutionary for me and it was something that I knew that even alongside whatever I may choose as my career I wanted to pursue um for the rest of my life mm, that's beautiful yeah. do you have any aha moments or any stories that that helped you to to because let's mm-hmm. let's just be real. There are lots of people, like you said, who are exposed to those concepts, and like mm-hmm. you said, it's a bad thing. I don't yeah. want to engage in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious if there were any moments that that you that things crystallized for you, right? Like were there conversations that you had with your parents? Like how mm-hmm. did they react? You clearly decided, I feel this passion and I'm going to go down this route. Mm-hmm. And you might not even be able to speak to it because you ju- you chose it, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm really curious if, if looking back, you can be like, well, okay, yeah, maybe this conversation or having to push back against or respond when my teacher said this or mm-hmm. my parents said that. Do you remember any of those conversations? They could have gone well or not, mm-hmm. but like those early conversations mm-hmm. as you were waking up to understanding all of this material that you hadn't been exposed to before. Um, right now, there's two conversations <laughs> that are sticking in mind. Um, one was actually much more recently. It was during 2016. Um, I still remember because that's when the election was going on, the primaries were happening, and I was talking to my parents about... Um, you know, like who I supported and who they supported. And they both are um, Democrats. They're not like incredibly different than me um, as far as political beliefs. But at the same time, they did immigrate here and they had to fight for what they had. Um, and they start, my dad, um, even though he is in a profession that is very well respected, started off working um, at gas stations to pay off his like bills and pay off his tuition. Um, and so he is very much what the stereotypical American dream is. Um, you know, you start with nothing and then you're able to go and be successful, which meant that he had a little bit of a different attitude towards certain things like welfare. Um, because he was like, if I can do what other people can do it too. And he means it in a well-meaning way. He's like, you know, I had support, um, but I was able to succeed. And so I hope that other people can as well. Um, and so we had a little bit of a difference in opinion in who we supported, um, with him, uh, characterizing the person I supported as someone that the children were behind. Um, because oftentimes, um, uh, Senator Sanders was someone that was associated with beliefs that are maybe intangible to other people. Um, and they think that he can't make at the time people didn't think that it was a reality that could um, be achieved. And so I remember during that conversation, there were, um, it was very much, it wasn't in a malicious way, but it was like he, they didn't understand necessarily that 
what I believed was truly what I believed and not just because of my age. Um, and it was because I had learned about the issues. I had looked them up. I had researched. I hadn't just looked at one news article and thought, okay, this is enough information for me. Um, I had done the research and albeit I didn't have maybe all the same experiences they did. I did have um, enough of maturity in my mind that I could decide who I supported, even if I may not have been able to vote back then. Um, and so I just remember during that conversation feeling kind of frustrated. Like, I don't understand why I'm not being taken seriously for what I believe in. Um, and over the years they've come around, maybe they don't have the same beliefs as me, but they respect my beliefs now and they understand why I support what I support. Um, and they chose to look past the initial superficial level of, um, stereotypes that are around like quote unquote, like feminists, for instance, or around people that supported, um, Sanders Sanders or any of that. They saw that like there is more substance, um, to these movements than they may have realized. Mm. Um, and then the other experience I had was also very similar. It was with um, some friend, like family friends of mine. And we were, you know, we were in their basement watching a movie. And then um, at some point it turns towards politics. And I remember it was, it was much earlier. I think it was probably um, around seven or eight years ago. We were younger um, and we were talking and I remembered asking them because this is the only part of the conversation I remember, but I just remember asking, I was like, do you guys even actually know what a feminist is? Because all they knew was that I like align myself with those ideas, but they didn't understand what it meant. They had the middle school idea of it. You know, it's someone that hates men. Um, and so they were like, oh, I mean, I guess I don't actually know. I just know that they're not good. And I was like, okay, but like, why do you think that? And then we got to the root of it and realized after a course of like maybe like 10 minutes, these middle school boys now understood what a feminist was and were saying they themselves were one. And so I think that just that type of conversation where you don't necessarily completely neglect to listen to other people's sides and are willing to listen can result in a much, much better result. Um, because otherwise they would, if I had just been like, oh, well, you don't know what that is. Well, I don't want to talk to you. Doesn't really result in anything good. It All it results in is more polarization. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I feel like our future is in good hands, Ava. <laughs> I, really, it's, yeah. it really makes me excited mm -hmm. to hear you talk about how you came to understand concepts like feminism mm -hmm. and the importance of thinking for yourself and being able to talk to people who you disagree with. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that's how we're going to be able to move forward is have tough conversations. We can't just talk to people that we agree with. Mm -hmm. And then also, I love the fact that these these conversations that come to mind aren't kind of, let, let me sit you down and talk about this dramatic conversation. Mm -hmm. They just happen. They happen because we talk about what's happening in the world. Exactly. And here we are at an, in another you know presidential election time. Mm -hmm. They happen because we're watching a movie and we're talking about things. They happen because we share pieces of ourselves. And if we're open enough to share and people are open enough to ask, that we can shift those areas where we're ignorant and and help people see things from our perspective. And it doesn't mean we have to agree, but at least they understood. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that the most important thing coming out of it was just that mutual respect. Um, because even with my, like my conversation with my parents, they're incredible people and they've been through so much. And at the result, like at the end of it, I may not have 100% agreed with everything they believed, I still respected their beliefs and I still acknowledge that this is where they're coming from and they're still on the same side as me. Maybe I'm just a little further down than they are. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very interesting to hear about why they believed what they believe instead of just looking at um, their positions on certain issues and just ending it there. Because I think 
that looking at people's inspiration and looking at their motivation to engage in certain beliefs is to a certain level almost as important as just their position itself. Because once you understand why they believe the way they do, you can start to explain to them why you believe that your side is correct um, or why you believe that your side is more worthy of attention. Um, otherwise, it, everyone's just stuck on their own sides and there's no wiggle room. Yeah, no, it is. It's important to understand, I would say, how people come to understand mm -hmm. their decisions, uh, the meaning making, right? Mm -hmm. How they make meaning of what they believe. It's it's really important that we pause to not just judge, but to hear how people make make meaning of their position. And like you said, it might not be, it might not even be something that they thought about in terms of you being able to share your perspective, but mm -hmm. at least you're having a conversation and not just saying, well, because you don't understand this, we're done. Mm -hmm. Or because you are going to vote differently, we're done. Mm -hmm. That that actually doesn't help us move forward. I wonder, I often talk about how different aspects of our own identity kind of help us to have windows into other people's experiences. And I am just wondering, as a Pakistani Muslim here in St. Louis, how has that been growing up in a city that's pretty black and white? Mm -hmm. um, for me, at least when I was younger, it wasn't something I noticed as much. Um, but then as I got older, it became more and more clear to me when other people were able to talk about shared experiences that I couldn't necessarily completely understand. Um, I was very privileged and lucky in the fact that in St. Louis, we do have a masjid or mosque, um, as it's sometimes referred to, um, where I was able to regularly see friends of mine that were from similar religious and ethnic backgrounds. Um, and these were people that I still keep in contact with because our parents were friends. They may have went to college together back home um, before they came here. And it was kind of this sense of community where it's not just based on whether you guys have similar interests, but it's based on whether or not you have similar experiences. Um, when I was in school, I didn't really have many friends that were of different um, ethnic backgrounds um, up until probably high school. Um, during my junior and senior year, that's when I found a group and my friend group was very ethnically diverse, very, um, there were people that, uh, aligned themselves with LGBTQ identities that were part of our group. There was different religions or lack of religions, um, that were present in our group. And it was something that our friend group became known for, but sometimes I wonder if that wasn't necessarily the best thing, um, because I loved being a part of my friend group and I loved hearing everyone's experiences, but that also made me think that if our group has all of the quote unquote minorities, then what about the other friend groups? You know, that means that they were all very much like, um, not homogenous. Yeah. They were very They're homogenous. Um, and I, w we were all so proud to like, you know, be friends with each other. And, um, we were so excited to share with each other our cultures, but, and it was wonderful. And I still am friends with all of those people because they're incredible human beings. Um, but it was also kind of, odd because I thought looked at other friend groups sometimes I was like almost every single person um is of the same ethnic or religious background and I was like I know that we are lucky because we were able to kind of um be attracted to one another um for a number of factors obviously the the main factor that we were friends was not because we were minorities um but it was interesting just to see the way that people attract one another um, because you want to be around people with like experiences. And even though my friend group, there was only, um, I think one other Pakistani Muslim per, um, person, there were people that were South Asian, um, or there were people that were of non-majority religions, i.e. not Christian or mm -hmm. Jewish, um, or Muslim. And so 
these other groups, they were all people that were all Christian or people that were all Jewish or people that were all white. And it was because you want to be around people with like experiences and it's understandable. It's human. You want to be with a community at all times. Um, But it just struck me as a little bit odd sometimes because even though we enjoyed our time together, um, I wondered why everyone else thought it was so uh, abnormal, Mm -hmm. you know, that we were Mm -hmm. all together. because I think my school was maybe like 60 or 70% white. And so it was just interesting to see these pockets of minorities and po- like, and then there was everyone else. And it was like almost, um, uh, in a way, it was almost like self-segregation without meaning to, um, that we went with each other. And I don't regret a single thing. I loved it. I loved learning about everyone. And it made sense because we all went through experiences that maybe other people didn't go through. Um, and so we found each other. But it was still a little bit surprising when I look back um, to think that it was like so starkly different. Like mm-hmm. you knew that these kids were all together and mm-hmm. these kids were all together, mm-hmm. um, which was high very school, interesting. Yeah, yeah. High school and, and middle school too. But high school can be like that. Mm-hmm. There's a book called uh, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria mm-hmm. and Other Conversations About Race. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it. I haven't actually to read it yet. Yeah, but, no, yeah. it's an oldie but goodie. Yeah. It's a great one. So Beverly Tatum wrote that and she wrote it because people mm-hmm. were kind of asking that question and you speak a little bit to it in that, mm-hmm. yeah, developmentally, people like to be with people who are like them, right? Mm-hmm. Like the football players sit together, the cheerleaders sit together. Mm -hmm. And we don't often say, Hey, you guys are self-segregating. Stop sitting with the drama people. Stop sitting with the band people. Mm -hmm. Like we understand like that's that those are their people. Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes those groups, uh, young people don't have opportunities to interact with people outside of those groups. Mm -hmm. So I often share with folks when I do work in schools is like, it's not that we need to break those groups up. It's that we need to add opportunities for them to interact across lines of difference and Mm -hmm. get to know each other. Maybe be surprised at the connections that they have that they Mm -hmm. didn't realize they had because they were so focused on football Mm -hmm. or so focused on cheerleading or band, right? Or marching band, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's interesting. High schools is a is a it's an exciting time. I was going to say tough. (laughs) It's that too, probably, but. It's a little bit of developmentally. Both, yeah. And yeah. I think um, even with that, I was just lucky because my friend group um, that I was part of, they were also interest wise. We were all over the board. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I have a friend and who he was like very interested in art um, and he's taking a gap year and he's pursuing that as well as other opportunities just to learn about service. But then on the other end of it, I also have friends that were very much involved in their orchestras and are at Ivy, Le- Ivy Leagues now. And it was just very different experiences. Um, that we were all able to share with each other. And I think that's one of the reasons that we all loved each other so much was just because we were able to bring different things to the table, um, even as far as just extracurricular interests. Mm-hmm. And know. it sounds like you appreciated each other because yes. so yeah. often people bring something different and, oh, that's, you know, it gets blown off because mm-hmm. it's not what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you all, it sounds like, appreciated the richness and the diversity in your interest. Yeah. yeah. I had a student in my research lab a few years ago who was a Muslim, Palestinian mm-hmm. Muslim, and she covered, mm-hmm. she covered, um, the, uh, her sister did not. And she talked about how hard it was to be in St. Louis covering and mm-hmm. like people making hateful comments mm-hmm. on the street uh, and ended up actually doing a research study on the experience of Muslims, Muslim women in mm-hmm. particular who choose to cover. Uh, have you had specific experiences around being Muslim? Um, so where you felt targeted or supported? I think for me, it's a little bit different, um, because when people see me, they assume that I'm Indian and or not Muslim. 
um, since I don't wear a hijab. But um, for me, it was more startling to hear my friends' comments about it mm -hmm. um, because a lot of them, there was times when people made quote-unquote jokes about taking their hijabs off um, or something like that. One of my friends was in the middle of a soccer game and hers fell off. And all of her girlfriends came around her cover, you know, to make sure that like um, she was uh, being provided with the comfort and being provided with the environment she needed to re put, like, put on her hijab again. But there were certain guys that were just like staring. And it's like, you can understand um, for someone that wearing hijab is a personal choice they make. Um, and even if it isn't, you have to, you cannot make that assumption. You have to, your assumption should be, it's a personal choice they're making. Um, if it's a choice they're making and their hair is showing and you know it in their eyes should not be showing, um, don't stare. Like, I feel like that right. at some point should be common sense because I've had friends that are hijabi in front of me and when their scarf comes off, um, the guys will immediately cover their eyes, look away. Um, and this is not just like men of color or Muslim men. It's, like white guys, white white boys, white we men. Respect exactly the decision because they see this person and they see that she is choosing to cover herself, um, and they're respecting that and they're providing her with the environment she needs to reapply her hijab or something. Um, for me, any sort of um, discomfort that I faced being Muslim was more in one-on-one -on -one interactions. Um, I never had anyone like you know yelling at me down the street because they wouldn't be able to tell. Um, but there was my sophomore year. The summer after sophomore year, um, I was volunteering in this location. And while I was there, there was this kid and he came up and asked me, um, not, of course, the first question. It was just we were having a conversation at some point. It came up and he asked me um, and he was like, oh, so, you know, since you're Muslim, you hate all Jewish people. Right. And I just kind of I was like, I didn't think that people actually thought like this. Um I don't know. I was just dumbfounded. I was like, I know that people tweet this stuff or like they'll write articles about it or, you know, it'll happen in like rural Missouri or something. But I was like, I'm sitting here in West County in St. Louis. Like, this is not exactly the most rural area in the uh, in the country. Um, and this kid is asking me this. And I was just sitting there. I was just like, how do I even begin to explain the answer to this question? Um, and I think that was one of the first few experiences I had where it was just very like, point blank and it, and to some degree I do respect him for asking me um that was not the first emotion I had once he asked um it was a lot more just frustration but the fact that he asked me instead of continuing with that sort of bias in his life um was the reason that I respected him at all because I was like he could have kept going the rest of his life believing that Muslims have this attitude towards people of other religions um but instead he asked me and could he have worded it better obviously um but I sat there and I explained to him you know, where that sort of uh, misinformation comes from, mm -hmm. um, what our actual attitudes are, what the difference is between people 1,500 years ago believing a certain thing and the way society changes and how that affects our beliefs now. Um, and at the end of it, I feel like he understood much better. And he came back the next day and apologized for the way he asked it, but he was very um, forthcoming. He was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. I just wanted to ask a question and now I know I should have asked it better. Um, and so I did respect him at the end of it. I was like, you came to someone, you came to a quote unquote source, you know, um, because being a Muslim, maybe I was one of the very few Muslims he interacted with. Um, and I was glad that at the end of it, he did come to me. I've had interactions that did not go um, as well as that, um, as well with people asking questions or making statements, expecting me to say nothing back. Mm. Um, because they're under the assumption that their attitudes about Islam are more relevant and more um, well thought out than a Muslim themselves. Um, 
And so more than anything, it's just frustration and kind of sadness for people. Cause I'm like, I wish that you would just think or like listen Mm -hmm. um, about what other people, like listen to what other people say and think about what they say instead of just absorbing the information from your parents or from your community and living your life as if that is um, fact. Yeah. Yeah. There is power in being able to hear people's question and not get caught up in your first reaction (laughs) and have them hear you and Mm -hmm. change their, their thoughts. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he realized he was wrong and that's a burden. That's a lot of work. Yeah. That's a lot of extra work that you've got Mm -hmm. to do as a person of color, as a Muslim here in this area where people sometimes don't have contact. And Mm -hmm. so they believe a lot of misinformation and have a lot of misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's extra, extra work for you. It is. And everyone has very different attitudes towards it as well. You know, there's certain Muslims I've talked to that, um, well, there's certain minorities, um, whether it be religiously or ethnically that I've talked to, um, that are not fans of that role because they think that it should not be their job to educate others based mm-hmm. on something that they can simply look up um, or they can, you know, talk amongst themselves about. But there's others that are very open to that because they're like, at least they're coming to me. And I think I find myself somewhere in between that, just depending on the day, the time, the person who's asking me. Um, because in the broadest sense, I don't think it should be my job to educate someone because they have access to that information literally at their fingertips. You have your phones, your laptops, your computers. If you don't have your own, there are libraries that have them for free access. Um, You have the internet, which is such an incredible resource where you can simply look these things up. But then the other part of me is like, okay, but at least they're coming to me and not looking up some random article where the information is from someone who doesn't understand these experiences um, or is simply making things up. and it's kind of hard to like teeter between these two sides because on, it's difficult um, knowing that for some people you're the first person they've interacted with of your identity. And so you have to give them a little bit of leeway because it's like you don't know any better. You were raised with a certain mindset um, and certain attitudes, which makes it more difficult for you to overwrite them. And so finding that balance between being patient um, and also being kind of expecting that you understand what I'm saying um, is something that I think a lot of people struggle with, um, especially being in my sort of position um, where you are the informant, I guess. Yeah. And to not feel like you're the spokesperson for the group. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you are a member. And so you have your experience and your opinion. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to digress a bit and have people hear about you and who you are and how you come to, uh, how you came to this this incident that happened in high school. Mm -hmm. So let's circle back. Okay. So knowing a little bit more about Zava and how she came mm-hmm. to see herself as a as not only a woman of color, a young lady of color and Muslim Pakistani, but also um, a burgeoning like social justice activist. Like mm-hmm. you felt this passion. Mm-hmm. What happened? How did you and your friends respond or the groups you were part of respond when you came back to school and were feeling mm-hmm. like hmm, this was not handled as well as we would have liked? Um, so what we noticed was the first day we came back, um, cause at this point we were still kind of in the position of let's wait and see what happens and mm-hmm. then figure out how to, um, continue forward. Um, we, our, uh, school building president, a president, um, principal, um, he made an announcement, um, and he is someone who has been very forthcoming with his opinions and making sure that we all feel welcome in our school. Um, And he is one of the few people in the administration within Parkway that we have felt has been a true ally to our cause. 
um, at every step and every sort of position that we've had, because this isn't the first time that we've had to stage a walkout or um, uh, condemn certain actions. And he's been someone who has listened to us and has taken responsibility for what has happened, even though it may not be his fault. He says, this is my school. I should be helping you guys feel better and feel more welcome. So we heard his um, announcement and it was he um, talked a lot about how um, these comments were not welcome at our school. Um, And then he spoke about how they would have different um, sessions within. There's a room where they would have our school guidance counselors and anyone was welcome to come in, whether it was to listen to other people's experiences or simply to talk out how people were feeling. Um, And he was doing what he could. But at the end of it, he also said, Right now, um, those girls may not be a school, but we haven't decided what their punishment will be. Um, we are still working with the district administration as well as within the school's administration. Um, and a lot of people were not super happy with that response um, because although it was very good that they had these counselors avail- available for everyone and that they were taking steps, it felt like they had had time over break. And that was um, with the understanding that um, spring break is for everyone um so we had to give them a little bit of leeway that maybe some people didn't want to give um because at the end of the day a lot of them were on vacation they were off with their families and then they get this call in the middle of their break um and now it's like okay my vacation is cut short i need to go deal with this problem um and so they needed a little bit of time to you know wrap themselves around the situation and understand what was happening um but to us as students it was like you had time you know, like, what are you doing? Like, why haven't you made like uh, a much more concrete response to this situation? Um, so after that, uh, a couple of days after the fact, there was, um, they weren't technically allowed to tell us what the punishment was because it's, you know, student privacy. Um, but word got around and we found out that the students had received five days of in-school suspension and five days of out-of-school suspension for a total days of 10 days, um, total amount of 10 days. And a lot of people, again, were very upset by this because there was a student who had been caught with um, drugs on campus and she had been given that punishment. And we were like, this seems significantly worse um, because it was much more thought out. There was other people that they were targeting. This is making people feel unsafe. It is a threat to the school um, because you don't know what these students are capable of because all we know right now is that they have very um, bigoted attitudes towards groups of people and they were calling for violence exactly um it wasn't something you could even potentially argue was you know a comment made in the moment there was repetition there was intent um and there was also the fact that the girls were intoxicated um and so that people had very different responses they were like on one hand it's like oh they were intoxicated they didn't know what they were saying but the opposing view was when you're intoxicated you say what you mean um and you are also showing that you maybe don't have the best sense of judgment if as a 16 year old you're drinking and recording videos of one another um and so you know adding that into it everyone was just very unhappy with the results um and then over the course of the next few days there were students within my school um specifically like black girls that were very very much um upset about what was going on they were very frustrated um and although they knew the rest of us were there as allies we took a step back knowing that this was something that um these girls wanted to organize. And we were like, we're here for your support. You tell us what you need and we'll do it. Um, and so there were these girls. Um, one was a freshman, a sophomore, um, and then there was a junior. So these three girls helped orchestrate the entire walkout event. Um, and it was word of mouth. They didn't post any flyers or anything. It was just kind of like people would find out from one another. Um, 
they used social media as a way to get the word out by posting on their Snapchat and Instagram stories just to get out to who they could. People were reposting it. Uh, they were asking questions. Um, and that's how most protests are organized nowadays. You know, it's all based through social media and it's something that makes it a lot easier for us to get the word out and the information that needs to get out. out. Um, and so they had decided that we would be wearing all black to show support, um, even if you couldn't do the walkout. For the walkout, we would be showing up into our commons um, that morning of, and we would stay there until after the bell rang to go to class. So for us, um, they had told us to show up at 7.30. Our bell, our tardy bell is 7.35. Um, that bell rang. And by the time that bell had rang, I was looking around. There wasn't that many people yet. So we were kind of confused, like, oh, we thought that more people would be coming. And then all of a sudden there was just like, this downpour of students. Mm -hmm. And in my our school isn't very big. There's about 1,200 of us. Um, but then like as these kids were coming in, there was more and more. And eventually I think there was probably around 400 or so like in that area. Um, and we were sitting there and we weren't sure what was going to happen next because all we had been told was we're going to do a sit-in for a little bit um, to show them our support. And that's the expectation everyone, everyone went to the protest with. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen after that. We expected maybe they'd, you know, make a couple of comments. Um, the administration would make a couple of comments because we had assumed, and rightfully so, that they knew what was going to be happening. Um, and they have been supportive of us showing our support or um, discontent with issues in the past. And so that's some, another reason that, you know, for our school's administration, we were very glad that we had them. Um, but we were sitting there and we, uh, one of the students who organized the protest began to speak. Um, our building principal um, made a comment. And then at the end of it, we were like, okay, so this is it. I guess we go back to class. But then before we did, um, the freshman, she walks back up there. She gets the um, uh, the, uh, oh my God, the, the microphone. Yeah, the bullhorn. Um, and she goes, guys, we're taking this outside. And everyone just starts looking at each other like, where are we going? What are we going to do? Um, but then everyone also just stayed with the group. They were like, okay, I guess we're skipping class now. Um, and we walked outside and then again, we were like, okay, maybe we're going to go around the flagpole. Um, because in the past we had done a walkout for gun violence and that's where we had gone. We just stood by the flagpole outside of our school entrance. Um, but then we were there and I think it started to click in people's minds. Our school district administration building was a breath away. So we could just walk there without crossing any streets, without being in any danger. We can just walk down there. So um, then after about like a minute or so of people being unsure, everyone just starts marching down. Um, and before you know it, you have hundreds of kids and more people were finding out. They were like, oh, guys, everyone's skipping class. Like, you know, get down here if you can. Um, and there was more people that kept coming out. And about half the school was there at this point. Um, and they were all in front of the building. And now it was like, OK, what do we do now? And, um, with, and then we started chanting um, for the superintendent to come out. And he did. Um, and then it was a little bit confusing because we didn't know what direction we wanted to go in. Mm -hmm. um, he was up there. Our building principal was up there. Um, we had some of our grade level principals as well. Um, and a few faculty members sprinkled in as well. And at that time, everyone's like, guys, email your teachers, let them know because our teachers are also very understanding. Mm -hmm. um, they were like, you know, we understand this is an important cause. So, but we were like, also, we should let them know. <laughs> um, not just like leave. Um, and so at that point that there was questions being asked of the superintendent, um, people were raising hands, making comments. Um, and uh, our superintendent seemed very eager to be leaving from that situation. 
Um, he, I remember, I don't think he understood that there were people that were close enough to hear what he was saying without the bullhorn. Um, because at one point he kind of turned to one of the organizers and goes, okay, why don't we just do like one or two more questions and then we can, you know, go on with our days. And I kind of heard that. I was like, what? Like, are you, like, you don't understand. Like, I know you have the work that you're doing today, but you're working for us at the end of the day. You are working to make our lives better, to make our opportunities more robust. Like you are here as support for us. Um, and so a couple other people heard that too. And they were like, what is he talking about? Like, we're going to be here until we have a resolution. Um, and at this point we'd been outside for maybe two hours. Um, and then our building principal was like, guys, it's getting close to lunchtime. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into the gym. We're going to sit in the bleachers. We're going to have the administration come down and they're going to be standing down there. And by, um, at that point, they'd also called other people from the district administration, some of the district counselors to come down. Um, so at this point, it was becoming a big thing. People from other high schools were hearing about it. They were texting and calling. They were like, hey, what's going on? Um, and we went inside and we all like sat down and now there's more people because now it's like lunchtime. They have time to leave their classes and like come join. And the bleachers were filled. Um, and we were sitting there and there's our superintendents, our building principal. They're handing out water bottles and snacks to people that um, had been out there. And then the questioning continues. Um, at one point, the administration left the gym um, to allow us to have time to decide what our like demands were, so to speak. Um and so he left. And when you stick about 600 high schoolers into a room, there's going to be a lot of circular arguments. There's going to be a lot of repetition and lack of focus. Um, and so that's something we were having trouble with um, because there were students up there and also they were underclassmen. So some of the upperclassmen were like, why should we listen to them? Why aren't we the ones up there? Um, and so there was a little bit of confusion, a little bit of um, lack of focus for a time. And at one point we asked one of our guidance counselors to come back and we were like, hey, we need you here to help us to get ourselves in order. Um, because at that time we knew we need help to make sure that we can get everything we want to get. And we also called in one of our grade level principals um, because she had been an ally in the past, being a woman of color. Um, and so she was in there, our guidance counselor, one of them was in there. And then we got this list of demands down. And in that um, there was uh, if I remember correctly, there was stuff about changing the disciplinary guidelines. There was stuff about making our middle school curriculum less Euro and white centric. Um, there was also um, a call to expel the girls that had um, made these comments and been involved in the events, um, amongst other things. We ended up having, I think, seven or eight, at the, which, and that was the cut down version because we wanted to make sure that it was still feasible. Um, we presented this list to him and he was like, okay, I'll keep you guys updated. Um, which was not something that we were uh, thinking would be the most um, accurate way of passing because a lot of times people in positions of power will say, we'll keep you updated, but that update is like, when is it going to come? Um, how much transparency is there? And there was this girl who um, was also a senior with me at the time. She stood up. She was like, okay, but what about SSJLAC? And that was this organization that she and I were involved with, um, as well as a couple other students from our school as well as students from within the district. What does um, it stand for? It was the uh, Superintendent's Social Justice Leadership Advisory Council. And this was a group where um, our mission was just to talk about different issues within the district, um, also to educate ourselves and learn about the literary de definitions of words um, such as racism, power, classism, white privilege, things like that. Um, and one of the things that was implied to me um, when I joined was that the superintendent would be there and he had not been at many of the meetings. 
Um, and so she was like, you know, what about us? We haven't seen you at many of these meetings. Like, what are you doing? Um, are you coming? Are you, why are you not sending us messages to let us know if you're not coming? Things like that. Um, and so that became his uh, accountability group that you have to come to us and you have to tell us. And it would just happen to be that Tuesday we were having a meeting mm. um, with all the students from the district. So um, at the end of this, people were, you know, somewhat happy. We went back to our last class of the day because we had skipped the rest of our classes. Um, were there consequences for people who skipped? No, there wasn't, um, which, again, is uh, something to speak towards our building principle about because he was very incredible throughout this entire process. Um, and he let us know. He was like, if you guys were out here, you'll not be facing any repercussions um, if any of your teachers are upset, like let them know to talk to me and I'll explain to them why we made this decision um, and things like that. He was very much an ally and supporter of the students, um, which is something that we were very privileged to have because a lot of schools would be the complete opposite. They would be expelled, suspended, um, wouldn't be able to make up their tests or work. Um, but we were lucky we didn't have that issue to deal with. So that was one less um, obstacle we had to deal with. Right. Um, but then after that, we went and we had our meeting on that Tuesday. And there's about, I think, five to 10 students from each high school that are represented in this council. He was there. And um, at this point in the circle, this is the first time many of them have met him. Um, because with a lot of the racial incidents at their schools, um, he didn't come because it, they didn't have the support that we did. And they weren't able to march out half their school um, to show support for um, different groups within their community. So they were there, they were expressing their discontent with how um, the issues at their schools had been handled, how some of them had been threatened with suspensions and expulsions, um, and how some of them had simply been told they couldn't walk out, even though other groups um, were allowed to. For instance, at one of the high schools, um, the group that was supporting Black Lives Matter was not allowed to walk out, but the group that was supporting um, common sense gun le legislation was. Yes. They were like, what is this double standard? Like, right. why are we not allowed to do the same thing? Right. Um, a lot of us were involved in that other walkout, so why can't we walk out for this? Um, there was a lot of discontent, and then at one point, they kind of asked us, like, what were your guys' reactions to the video? So we all went around, we were talking about, you know, like, a lack of surprise, or other people were like, we were surprised, people were frustrated, people were upset. And when it came to be his turn, um, I remember him mentioning um, how he got the call and he was like, oh, I have to go deal with this. And everyone was very like unamused with that answer mm. um, because although it is very human to have that emotion um, and we respected him for being honest, there was also this feeling of why are you telling us that this seemed like a burden to you? Mm. Um, and it was something that a number of students called him out on later as well. And he tried to step back from it, saying that wasn't necessarily what he said. One of those times being at a district board meeting where we were speaking and he made a comment su suggesting, um, or no, he made a physical gesture suggesting that he didn't say, he just kind of shook his head when someone said that. And all the other board members are going to look to their superior or um, in position anyways, instead of the high school students speaking to be more reliable. Um, and so that was something that was very, confusing to us to hear um, that I understand to some degree it is a burden to deal with. Um, but again, that's what you signed up for. You know, yeah. like your job is to deal with these issues that students are facing. Well, and that's tough yeah. because in real time, you all had this this contradiction. You had mm -hmm. a building principal that was so supportive, but a superintendent who 
was kind of like, oh, this is a hassle. Mm -hmm. And that that's that's real in terms of trying to push against the status quo is that individuals within the system, you're going to have people who are willing to be allies and who will bend over backwards to make sure that you don't have consequences Mm -hmm. as you take these actions and others who are like, can we just get this over with? Yeah. You know? But it sounds like you all were able to make a clear stand Mm -hmm. so that the district could not ignore what was happening Mm -hmm. and the contradictions in terms of what other kids at other high schools in the district were experiencing were shown. There was a light shown on those contradictions. And Mm -hmm. so it, it seems like it was successful. Yeah, I think it definitely was. And obviously, most of the things that we were requesting couldn't happen immediately. Um, For example, they couldn't expel these students without any reason written in the directives to expel them. So our next mission was to rewrite these disciplinary guidelines. Um, Or with the social studies curriculum that I mentioned earlier, they actually ended up having meetings for that. Um, And they invited us as students to the table and were like, hey, we want to hear how you guys think we can improve the Mm -hmm. state of these curricula. That's great. um, And things like that. And so they definitely were taking steps. And it um, helped us that um, other board members were on our side, that our school's administration was on our side. Um, and it's something we were very lucky to have. And I think people felt by the end of that school year they and these events, they felt heard. Um, and that's yeah. one of the most important things. Yeah, yeah. If even not by every individual, <laughs> by the district. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm on the fence when these major incidents happen. I understand the call for like expulsion and punishment. Mm -hmm. So people realize that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm also one to say I'm not a fan of cancel culture or throwing Mm -hmm. people in the trash. Like I'm like, people can learn, right? Like we want to make sure we understand like if someone is ignorant of something and even Mm -hmm. if it's willful and and malicious and hateful, can mm-hmm. is there room for them to be back in community? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a it's a tough call. I don't it have is, any. Yeah. I don't have the answer. But yeah. I I often struggle with. It's more about creating a climate and a culture where mm-hmm. people know that that behavior is not sanctioned, and that's the long term work mm-hmm. that can't happen overnight. Um, and, and sometimes when people don't have that culture, they rush to do some heavy handed, see, look, we can punish people mm-hmm. when it's like, well, that's kind of whack-a-mole. Cause there's another group of kids who are going to do the same thing exactly. next week. It's so like, are and you doing the big work? Simply like a martyr for their cause. Then it's like, oh, well, you know, they got canceled. They got expelled. They got, they lost their job or something. But it's like, at the end of the day, they can find another job. They can find another school. And they can continue the same behavior. And that was one of the things we were struggling with. It's yeah, like, it's if we just expel them, then what? But then there were also um, instances that made us question whether or not one of the girls specifically would be willing to learn. Because there was, um, with the protest and the walkout, people were having it on their Instagram live stories, um, which meant that basically it was like being streamed live um, to all their followers. And she had swiped up on someone's and made a comment um, of which I can't exactly remember, but it was simply like, oh, haha! I can't believe you guys are like walking out for this. And like, um, that's not going to do anything and something along those lines. Um, and everyone was like, okay, so she like does not want to understand why what she's doing is wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, and you can't change everyone's mind. Mm -hmm. And I think you all were also smart to think about the social studies curriculum. Mm -hmm. So you can't change every individual, but can we Mm -hmm. have things in the curriculum that would support the, the, them learning a broader history and then maybe not being so insensitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing with us because I think, again, sometimes we don't stop and ask young people, like, how did you get to even care about these issues? 
the conversations along the way. How mm-hmm. did you, you know, feel taking this step and walking out of school and the fear of getting in trouble, but then also the passion of wanting to stand up for things. And so I, I just appreciate you for doing what you've done, mm-hmm. you know, and taking that journey, but also being willing to share not only what you did, but also about yourself. So thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. yeah. If folks yeah. want to hear more from you or follow mm-hmm. you, do you have any social media that you want to give out? Uh, sure. I do have an Instagram. It's um, at ZNAE2000. Um, and then also, I guess they could contact me through you um, if that is something they want to do. Yeah. 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 It's always <laughs> exciting to me to see young people who who have a passion and also are willing to use their voice for mm-hmm. social justice issues. Because again, I feel like that's the long game is mm-hmm. having young people who can, who, as you step into positions of power and as you get the jobs and the positions that you have an understanding so that you can make the climate a better one for everyone mm-hmm. and make things more equitable. That's the goal. That yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for joining me on Raising Equity. Hopefully you also enjoyed hearing from Zava and learning about how as adults, sometimes it's those random conversations that that we're willing to have with young people about their beliefs and to really listen to them and ask questions and support them that can help support them down the road of being social justice activists. Join us next time on Raising Equity.